0: Hi. My name's Creed. In early 2020, my father died. He was the wisest man I've ever known. The most difficult part of losing him is missing out on all the wisdom that he had to share. Now, I waited too long to appreciate all the wisdom that he had to offer, but I don't want to waste any more opportunities to learn. I started this podcast in hopes of gathering as much wisdom as I can, and I want to share that journey with you. This is The Goodbye Principle. On today's episode of the Goodbye Principle, we have Jesse Harmon. Jesse is uh, one of those genuine people that I know. Um, he values relationships more than more than anyone else that I, I know, um, and it's an honor to have him on the show. So, uh, Jesse, how you doing, man? I'm
1: good, man. I'm good. Nothing like recording at 9 p.m. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, uh, usually on a normal night, I'm already starting to doze off. But yep. hey, I'm ready to get after it. <laughs> well,
0: I'm glad to glad to have you. Thanks for doing the show. Um, Would you mind just telling people kind of a little bit about yourself, uh, just so people will kind of know who they're they're hearing?
1: Yeah, so I am 38 years old. I've been married for 14 years, celebrated 14 years this year. I have four children. I have a nine-year-old, eight-year-old, five-year-old, and a three-year-old. So really hadn't had a good night's sleep in about a decade, <laughs> but uh, you know it's all worth it. Being a dad, one of the greatest gifts ever. I loved it so much after I had my first child. And I was like, Sarah, let's have three more. <laughs> Not really how it went down, but you know, being a dad is um, is incredible. Um, so have four kids, and currently um, the leader of the Run Hard Running Team after school program, and been doing that. We'll talk more about that in a little while. But I've been doing that for about eight years now as well so lucky enough to do that I get to tell people I get to be a professional runner and I don't have to be fast <laughs> so um, that's that's what I do as a profession and I've, I'm really blessed to be able to do that and I provide for my family through doing that and so yeah I do running as a hobby as well whenever I do have uh, free time and the other things I like to do is just coach my kids in sports so between that spending time with my wife it, we're we're full on nonstop. So, yep. wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Yeah, you are. Uh, you're definitely always moving. You've always got a project working. I was talking to um, some family earlier, and they were telling me that when I was born, you were actually the first teenager who ever held me when I yeah. was a kid.
1: Yeah. So one day, I think it would be, it would go viral. I think if we tried to reenact that, because uh, <laughs> it would, it, it would make for great TV. I think. But yeah, that was uh, that was true. I remember. You know, your first house that y'all were in. Holding you and uh, dude, you had I think more hair then than you do now. <laughs> I mean, it was like, uh, holy cow! I mean, the kid's already four and a half years old. He has a full <laughs> head of hair. That's the one thing that I remember most about the first time, yeah, seeing you. Yeah,
0: yeah. You've uh, you've been around as long as I can remember. Uh, I've never never not had you around uh, in my life. and, and we'll kind of use this to get into it. Can you talk a little bit about how ministry was first introduced in your life, or how you? got to be in the spot where you were the first teenager to hold me. How did you get there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was the First Baptist Church of Lexington here in Lexington, South Carolina. And, you know, growing up as a kid, I I would go to church a little bit with my great grandparents, but uh, you know, my parents, they they weren't like directly involved in church at the time. So I wasn't in a family that we were in church when the doors open, things like that. But it was uh, in middle school when my grandparents took me to church and you know, I got started involved in the youth group, I went to summer camp. And after that summer camp, that first year I was hooked. You know, I, I started a relationship with Jesus at that camp and I started to realize that I had friends. And that really is what helped me stay on the right path throughout my teenage years. But it was then then uh, that I met your parents at the time. They were young. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize how young they were at the time. You look at an adult when you're in middle school and early high school and you're like, wow, they're they're an adult, they're old. Sure. But in reality, they were in their early 20s as well. So practically now, I would say they were still kids. But that's where I met your parents. They saw the value in giving back to youth, even how young they were. Yep. They wanted to invest in young people. And so they started out as my youth leaders at the time. And your dad taught Sunday school and your mom still involved in any way she could be, you know, helping out, um, having, hosting activities, things like that. So that's how I, I, uh, I met your parents and how really ministry was introduced to me in my life. It started about middle school for me. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think what, what's really cool is, uh, seeing how not only has that been something you've been passionate about since since it was first introduced to you, but now you've in a way, turned this into a full-time career. You know, I mean, it's, it's based around running, but more importantly, and I think you would say so yourself, like it's about teaching kids the gospel, um, and what it looks like to love and and develop and disciple, um, which has always been super cool to me. So talk a little bit about how that was, how you decided to start crossover
1: athletics. Yeah. So my training, when I say training, my schooling, however you want to say it Mm. is, Design for ministry within the church. I went to North Greenville College. Funny story, I went to North Greenville College and I actually walked on to the football team. So obviously, <laughs> y'all are listening to this and you can't see me. So, I mean, I worked hard the summer before my freshman year of college to get up to 160 pounds. You know, it's like <laughs> I tried to eat as much as I could. I tried to lift weights as much as I could from what I knew. You know, I, I didn't play uh, football for the school in high school, so I didn't know... So, I walked onto the football team at North Greenville. So, I tell people I played collegiate football because <laughs> I, I walked onto the football team and I vividly remember to this day we're in this big auditorium room, and the coach says, If you're still in this room, you're on the football team. You made the football team for this year. And there I, there I sat in that room. So, pretty much the backstory on that was, the only way he cut people is if people quit. So, you know, if you didn't quit, you made the team. (laughs) So after that meeting, I went up to him. I was like, coach, you know, God brought me here to be a preacher, not a kicker. So, Mm -hmm. and he didn't try to talk me out of quitting. You know, he's probably (laughs) like, yeah, you wouldn't get much playing time. That's, that's what he said. So, um, anyway, that's where I went to school, start out two years. And then I transferred to Columbia international university here in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. And that's where I got my degree. In uh, in youth ministry, and so my schooling is designed to be within the church walls, so to speak. And I, uh, th- after I graduated, graduated college in two thousand five, and after I graduated college, went straight into work in ministry within the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, your dad and I were coworkers. Your dad did senior high ministry; I did junior high ministry. So we saw each other weekly. Had multiple discussions on just philosophy of ministry, what we want to do, how we want to do it. And uh even though it was unique to as I look back on those moments to see our different approaches, but how well they really worked together. Mm. so meaning those personalities, you know it they were different, but they complemented each other, looking back on it really well, yeah. you know, and uh so that was fun. And then in 2009, so I was, you know, about four years full-time within church ministry. We started, or I started to get these feelings of just wanting to be more outside the church. And we had started a a youth flag football league within the youth group Mm -hmm. years prior, and it just started to create some traction. And it was during those leagues where I was having conversations and I was building relationships. And those were the conversations and relationships that I wanted to have. And so I I believe it was within those couple years that God was just starting to stir within my soul, kind of saying, hey, this is what you're designed to do, Mm. you know. And uh, for for a while I felt guilty because I thought that ministry was supposed to happen within the church. You know, I, I was supposed to be a youth pastor, and I was supposed to work for the church, and I was feeling guilty. I'm like, why am I having these feelings? Yeah. Why do I feel like my place is not to work for a church? Is am, am, uh, Should I feel guilty about that? Sure. So uh, it, it took me a while from when I initially started to feel that to when I actually resigned from uh, my job as a youth pastor. And you know, to this day, it's like I just have to remind myself how I had to do how I define what ministry is. Yeah. And I believe ministry is, you know, figuring out what God designed you to do. So this is kind of my definition of what ministry is, what God, finding out what God designed you to do and using that to share the love of Jesus in whatever way you possibly can to build the kingdom. Yeah. And so I think like that helped me understand that ministry, if I define it that way and it can be just as effective inside the church. There's roles and there's people for that. But also it can be effective outside the church. So it doesn't matter if you're a school teacher. It doesn't matter if you if you run an after school program. It doesn't matter if you are an electrician. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, whatever like wakes you up in the morning and gets your blood flowing. Sure. That that's just like confirmation. It's like, man, this is this is who you are. Yeah. This is what God designed you to do and use that to share the love of Jesus and build his kingdom. Sure. So that's kind of how all that started.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to define um, ministry. I mean, I really do. I agree. I think it's it's much deeper um, than just being inside the church walls. I think everywhere holds a special place. Um, but, you know, I think that there's a certain level of whether you want to call it ministry or discipleship or being poured into or whatever churchy word you want to use um being out on that football field sometimes it just hits different than it does being inside the church walls you know i mean i remember to brag on myself i was a two-time championship quarterback at crossover athletics yes you were
1: <laughs> you were actually the face of our first and only like car rap yeah. ever so if if you were if you're listening to this and you were alive around 2000 and nine ten and you saw creed on the side of a van it wasn't by mistake it was on
0: purpose yes (laughs) um there were some times out there man where we had some really good solid intentional conversations that probably wouldn't have come up inside the church and that's not a dig on the church or anything um it's just you're in different scenarios and i really like that it was a real life application Um, and now you've had You've had a lot of things happen in your life um, you know after after hearing your story um, and just knowing you for so long, you've had a lot of things that were pretty difficult in your life where you've had to heavily rely on discipleship um, and the gospel to get you through it um, one of those you talked about pretty heavily in your book, um, your eating disorder mm-hmm. um, would you mind talking a little bit about that?
1: yeah, yeah so looking back over the course of how all that came about and all that meaning my eating disorder diagnosis and all that so i'll Mm -hmm. try to unpack that the best i can within the time constraints that we have but there's many things about that that i'm thankful for and many things about that that i don't wish on my worst enemy and and so just to touch on it before i really unpack it is it's so important to have someone in your corner there for you, cheering you on, correcting you, whatever it may be, mm. and so we we can put a church word on that, call it discipleship a little bit, but discipleship goes a little bit deeper than that. But sure. but it's kind of like uh, just having someone there. And as I share this story, you, you know, and I want your listeners to know that your dad played that role in my life, yeah. and so it's one of those that not everyone has. Yeah, and. I wish they did, and I wish they would, but I'm not naive enough to think that everybody does. And that meaning that there's someone there that's usually outside of a relative or a family member because, you know, it's almost expected for them to be there. It's expected for your mom, your dad, your aunt, your, your grandparents to sure. be there. Because let's just be real. Sometimes their words, even though they are true as whatever, we as immature as we can be, we just don't listen to it because they're like, ah, that's my mom. That's my dad. That's my grandparents. You know, they're supposed to say that. Yeah. You know, sometimes it takes that third party Mm -hmm. to pour into it. So, so yeah, that, um, thankfully while I'm, the way I'm here today is because of, you know, some people, but especially your dad being one of those, just playing that role in my life. And so that eating disorder to start off with, you know, growing up in middle school, I was, overweight kid you know I was obviously to me I, I noticed that I was bigger heavier than the other people in my class and you mm-hmm. know that 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 mattered to me some people it doesn't but to me it, it mattered yeah and so it was in middle school where I was bullied and I'm a words of affirmation guy that's my love language yeah. so those spoken words ran a little bit deeper with me and that those words, even though as innocent as they may have felt for someone else, then they stuck with me. And still to this day, I can still remember those things, but they don't take as effect as they had before. And so it was in middle school where I was beginning to feel those, um, those just feelings of insecurity, Mm -hmm. those feelings of self doubt. And just hearing that voice in my mind saying, Jesse, you just, you're not measuring up. You're not good. All that kind of stuff. So I I didn't like to exercise. I love sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was active as could be, but you know, at the same time, I loved to snack after school too. So, I mean, it was like, it was all (laughs) on myself, but it was the moment that in, in the second semester of my ninth grade year, when we had that presidential fitness test and Mm -hmm. we all remember that test where you had to run a mile in PE class and Lord, we hated to run a mile. And so, but it was in that time where I had ran a little bit. I had practiced before that run. And I remember the feeling of finishing that run in seven minutes and 54 seconds to this day. I can remember the time. But before then, I would never broke 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, my goal going in that day was like, you know, just don't be last right. again. You know, and having that feeling of accomplishment having that feeling of, man, I just did something I never thought possible was a feeling I wish on everyone, you know? And uh, many people probably listen to this and like, how in the world do you get that type of feeling from running? But (laughs) it was just something that, you know, people may call the runner's high or whatever, but it was that feeling that, you know, just I'll never forget. And like I said, I wish on everyone. However, you know, that, the, the idea of like exercising and stuff started to catch on a little bit, you know, through college and all that. I started to exercise, run a little bit more, like I mentioned earlier, try to walk onto the football team, you know, just to find my place somewhere, some affirmation somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, it just turned into just a casual hobby. Nothing serious. Got married in 2006. So, you know, those still within my soul and within my being, it was still those words were still there and that seed was still planted, never did deal with it. The insecurities of the youth, nothing like that. Yeah. In 2006, right after I got married, I ran my first 5K road race, 5K just over three miles. And I finished that road race, loved it, immediately went home and was like, Sarah, we gotta find what's next that started a season of me of just training really hard finding my love for running and really to this day i think it's finding my place and purpose for how i can really quench the thirst of ministry yeah and that's reaching people in their environment sharing the love of christ with them and expanding the kingdom Mm. so that's really where that seed started but we all know That even though when God starts working for you, there's always opposition working against you. Of course. And so the devil, man, he just what he did was he knew my weakness. So as I started to train, I developed and I'm an all in type of guy. Like I go when I go into something, I go all in. And so I did that with my running. And as I refer to myself as a slow white kid from red bank that (laughs) I just knew that I was going to prove to people that I could be somebody and I could do something mainly from my insecurities that were popping up from, from middle school. And so what that meant was I would just train and train. So I I would do, um, started to do triathlons. I would do running events, ran my first marathon. So I ran my first five 5K in September of 2006, I ran a 10K in October of 2006, a month later, came home from the 10K. And I was like, Sarah, I'm signing up for a marathon. And she was like, do you want to do like maybe a half marathon first, you know? Yeah, she's like, naturally. and I was like, nope, going for a <laughs> marathon, going for it all. And so within, you know, five months of running, I go from running my first 5K to running my first marathon. Wow. Came back from running my first marathon. I was like, I'm going to qualify for Boston you know, and for those of you who don't run, only thing that means is for us runners, there's qualifying standards. You have to be as fast as you, fast as a certain standard to be able to get get into the Boston Marathon. Qualified for Boston, and I kept trying to get more, get more, because it was, it it was just a a thirst I was trying to quench. The thirst wasn't the love of running, the thirst was trying to find affirmation from the insecurities of my past. And so, Throughout that process, fast forward to 2012, I set a a time goal that I wanted to accomplish for the marathon. I wanted to break three hours for the marathon. And I did that. And in the course of meeting my goal, pursuing my goal, I developed an eating disorder that came close to ending my life. Mm -hmm. So just to give a frame of reference, in December of 2012, I ran the marathon that I was training for at 128 pounds. So And how tall are you? The, I'm I'm about 5'11. On a stat sheet for the basketball roster, I'm six foot. All right. <laughs> so I'm gaining that inch, but I'm between five eleven and six foot, you know. Sure. So um, it was something that I was still pushing aside. I'm just, you know, I'm run I'm a runner. People say, you know, you got the runner look, you have the runner build, you have the runner. So it was like I had formed this identity that I'm a runner, yeah. and uh, and it was just dangerous. But I thought that I was fine, you know. However, I remember after that race, I finished, and I was all alone, sitting in the car for a moment, and saying, you know, what's next? What now? And um, it was it was something that was kind of scared me a little bit because I'm yeah. like, you know, I, I don't really have anything. my next thought was you know i'm gonna start gaining weight back and that was more that was the most fearful thought that i had was Mm -hmm. gaining weight so that was december of 2012. it was february of uh 2013 that i just i was meeting with your dad because he was helping me develop run hard and all that kind of stuff and i was like man i'm dying those are my words that i um communicated to him and he's like are you running too much I was like, no, I was just like, I- I'm not eating anymore, and so my my obsession went from running to the scale. Yeah, and um, I got down to 112.8 pounds. Wow! I remember the day that I saw that on the scale, and that was the first moment that I audibly said, "I'm dying." Mm-hmm. And um, to this day, you know, I think back to 112.8 pounds. And that was scary, yeah. you know, and, and thinking, how do I live through it? How did I live through that? Yeah. Um. But, you know, with the help of uh, professionals, doctors, with the help of uh, people in my life that were asking me the tough questions that were pushing me in the direction I needed to go, um, it was those people. And then also my personal faith because mm-hmm. there's always going to be moments where Somebody's just not going to be around. Right. There's going to be moments when you're not in a doctor's office. It's just you. What are those thoughts then? What are those conversations then? And it was those three elements, uh, those three groups of people that really helped push me back to getting healthy. I outlined the whole story in my book, My Marathon. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know more in detail about those, um, the thoughts, the processes, all that, Um, you can check out the book on Amazon. And the purpose of me writing the book was, I'm like, man, when I was going through my stuff, there were no resources for me. Um, There were no resources because like many guys, just think about this, man. I mean, it's like, hey, if I came up to you and it's like, man, you know, I'm just, I can't eat, you know? You would have been like, well, Well, give me your plate. You know, I'll, I'll eat it for you. (laughs) Give me your food. You know, it's just like something the guys, we just can't talk about. You know, it's just, it's just weird. It's almost frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I wrote it because I wanted to give somebody else a resource or at least a story that they could relate to if they were going through it. Yeah. So, and it was part of my healing process as well. The counseling that I was going through counselors, therapists telling me to pin my story all that. And, um, it was, uh, it was beneficial. So yeah. that was the purpose really of the book. And, um, if you want to say I'm an author, great. It, it, uh, it'll probably make me sound, make me sound more official than I really am. College but
0: football player, author. Yeah,
1: dude. So like CEO I'm, of a nonprofit, I wow, mean, what, what yeah, doesn't he do? Yeah. Ex-
0: it, that's my thought. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Humble. <laughs> yeah. It's not one of them, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, that's great, man. I mean, that's, that's really difficult. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't, obviously I haven't been through that. Um, but just hearing it, man, it's, it is inspiring too, because I know that where you are now, you know, and just being so passionate about people, just being, just being healthy. Even when I think about you, you really do value people. Um, you're not just a people person, as in terms of, you know, oh, I'm an extrovert, I like to make people laugh, but you have a a real care for people. Um, and you want them to be healthy, whether it's spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, I speak from experience in that you really do just care. Um, and that's super inspiring uh, for a lot of people. I think people need to think about those kind of things more, more than they do, because um, it's not talked about. Um, and you kind of mentioned that it's kind of, like we said, it's kind of frowned upon for guys to think about this kind of stuff and talk about that kind of stuff. Um, Has any problems like that ever come up with some of the students from run hard or anything like that, where you've been able to coach them and teach them that, Hey, this is okay for you to, for you to talk about these kind of things. Yeah.
1: So one of the, you know, gratifying things about writing the book now is to have people come up to me and say hey i read your book and i was able to relate to some of the stories or what you were going through yeah i've had a few people you know call me and and talk with me through their issues that they've had guys so you know that that is is great i say it's gratifying because like as you write it or as i was writing it i'm not a i'm not a great writer by any means uh but to know that god used my story mm. to help someone else out yeah. you know looking back you can say man you know that seeing god use that is so awesome Absolutely. You know? so that's that's the most gratifying thing about it now so you're back to your question though has anyone uh said something it's it it, they have and and that's that really puts you know it all into perspective like hey you know i went through that issue i know it's still there i know i can dive back into it i have daily i have to keep that stuff in check but god's using it sure and if i say if it made it worth it man i still regret many times in the amount of pain that i put especially my wife through yeah. But to see him use it, man, I'm I'm happy for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's just seeing where it started. Um, you know, playing playing flag football on, on fields where uh where they had the little sand spurs in the yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> to where it yeah. is now. I mean it's yeah. it's super super successful. Um and you should be really proud of that. Um I think it's really cool to uh I think it's really cool to see how you've you've done such a good job with this company and with this business and, um, being able to provide for your family. But can you talk a little bit about how accountability and discipleship has kept you grounded with the success of crossover and run hard?
1: Yeah. So your dad was always good at keeping me grounded because he was like, dude, that's dumb. You like all the ideas that I came up with that (laughs) thought would be the next world changer. He was like, ah, yeah, that won't work. He he liked doing that. Like, uh, I know a couple years ago I remember calling him on his birthday and I was like, Hey man, just want to wish the guy who told me no more than anyone else a happy birthday. <laughs> you know? I left a voicemail on his, on his phone and uh, you know, cause it was true. Um, yeah. And uh, but in reality he saved me a lot of time and probably a lot of financial resources by telling me no and a lot of embarrassment. Um, so, but one thing that really kept me grounded is that when i started run hard and tried to uh, get everything going you it's easy to get your identity wrapped up in what you do and the success of what you do so if you do seek success success and something like like uh like run hard you know a lot of kids that are getting involved with it and they see you and you're like, Hey, you do run hard and all that kind of stuff. So it's almost like, you know, you can create your own, this own identity with it, which is not healthy by any means, right. whether you're started a school program or you're started a church or you started a business, or started your own practice, whatever it may be. But, you know, going through my eating disorder, obviously it's the program started about the time where I was You know reaching all of my athletic goals through running but also when my eating disorder kind of heightened at the same time and so what happened was our board of directors really pulled my responsibility all the way back Mm. and really i was i was still involved with the program but from the day-to-day operations and how it how it was functioning and all that I mean, my role became very minimal. Yeah. And so to the point of saying, you know, showing me, Jesse, if you're not healthy, if you're not right, just know run hard can keep going. Yeah. It's not a youth thing. Right. It's an organization thing. Sure. And it's run and can be maintained by our board of directors. We don't need you. And, you know, that was humbling, yeah. you know, to, to say like you started something, but realize within a really short time, hey. We don't need you. Yeah, you know this is much bigger than you, right? which is which is a good thing because you never want it to be all about you or just limited to what you can do. Sure, you want it to be bigger than that, and uh, and so that was humbling for me because it was like, hey, you know what? I mean, this thing can really, really go on without me, and so it's taught me now to this day to know that even though I may think I have the right answer or Know the right direction. That other people's input is very valuable, almost yep. as valuable as my as valuable as mine. Even though I like as a leader, I have the final decision. Say so and all that. Right. But to know that my perspective, my my ideas, all that should be considered on an equal level with everybody else's, and figured out from there collaboratively which direction to go. And so I would say, you know, that's kept me grounded is the eating disorder grounded me. It humbled me. Mm. And even to this day, you know, I'm reminded, man, I mean, it's like life is short and this is, this is a job and it's a ministry that I have to take serious, but you know, it could all be taken away at any time.
0: Yeah. It's I've, I've noticed over the past, over the past almost year, especially um, since dad passed away, how important accountability is um and just how important realness in people you know is like just having people there to say hey you're not you're not as great as you think you are or um this like you said just tell them telling me you no know. you know just having people there to say no when when it needs to be said is very important um so as we uh, as we wrap up the interview here i want to ask the signature question of the show um Jesse, if there is one piece of advice or one principle that you would like to share with everyone and all the listeners, as we say goodbye, what would that be?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, from, from, I'll give like from a believer standpoint and a non-believer standpoint. So depending on whoever's listening, you know, I think it's applicable to anybody, but I referenced it earlier and, you know, it, Obviously, with the death of your dad, it just brought everything to the forefront and meaning that it's our job as believers to be that discipler for someone or in in essence, how I phrased it earlier, to get in someone's corner and be there for them. (laughs) That means like um, encouraging them, keeping them accountable someone that you're pouring into. And I kind of frame this as like someone that's like a decade younger than you are, because there's a lot that happens within a decade of life that you really learn from and you experience that you can help someone that's about to enter in that phase of life. Yeah. So just to put some tangible, uh, tangible example with it, like, so now I'm 38. Okay. My oldest kid's nine years old. She's going to be 10 in January so my job now is to you know what newly married couple is about to start a family Mm -hmm. what don't they know what can i give them that can help them out Mm -hmm. you know just from a sense of uh information um suggestions things like that so that's why i say a decade you know how a decade works but from a spiritual standpoint, it's like you got to get in someone's corner to encourage them, cheer them on, help them out, do something, be there, the ministry of presence, whatever it may be. Yeah. But I think for just from the sake of all mankind. So even if you aren't a follower of Jesus, you don't believe in the whole religion thing, then it's still to make other people better to help us function better as a society. I think it's even applicable to you, you yeah. know, being there to help someone out. Um, I I benefited from it firsthand. So like that is a mountain that I will die on, trying to explain to everybody the, that that's something that you should do. Yeah. And so um, it's a, it's a responsibility as believers, that we have, you know, and that, that, that we should, we should carry out. But also I believe, you know, if, if, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, if you're not in the whole religion thing, um, I still think that if you want to make this world a better
0: place mm. for the next generation, that's how you do it. Yeah. It's a great answer. Yeah. I, th- I think, uh, I think you nailed it. I think, um, I think just having that kind of that level of discipleship, uh, whether you want to use that as a churchy word or not mentorship, if you want to say it, if you're not religious, but um, you nailed it. That's it. That's what it's about. Uh, well, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show, man.
1: Yeah, man. I um, loved it. Yeah.
0: Where can, uh, where can people find you and what are you working on right now?
1: Yeah. So they can find me on Instagram and Mr. Runhard. So you can find me on there. Feel free. Uh, my social media. Uh, I You'll see a lot of pictures of, my kids and my family because that's you know they 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 want all my information so i give them all my kids information you know (laughs) um and i brag on my kids so we all know social media is there for us to make for us to brag so that's that's my shining moments in life are my four children Mm. and um my relationship with my wife so uh, that's, you find on Instagram, Mr. Run Hard, Facebook, Jesse Harmon, or, or as my mom refers to it, the book. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I don't, I don't tweet much, so there's really, you, you can follow me on, on Twitter, X over athletics. It'd be a lot simpler if I just kind of kept the same name across all platforms, but you know, I don't. So, um. Give
0: people a challenge.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, check me out on that. If you want to follow me, I'll follow you back and, uh, and all that that's so where i'll be
0: what are you working on next what project you got cooking
1: yeah so right now uh, as we mentioned earlier uh i do the after school running program called run hard yep. running team and we are developing an app that's going to be released within you know probably a few weeks uh for for soft opening not really like a hard opening meaning we won't make it you know or uh, advertise it out to everybody just some a few test groups and all that so pretty excited about that awesome. so so we'll uh, we'll see how all that pans out you know i uh i tell people that this is the first idea from the inception to actually when it's released that your dad hasn't been here for me to filter it through wow. so it's going to, I'm nervous because I'm like, wow, you know, this is really going to either flop or actually will it stick? Yeah. We'll actually see some, I'll, I'll, I've, uh, I've just thought about, you know, um, what would have Toby would have said, you know, um, he probably would have said, you know, that calls way too much money. Let's not do that. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so kind of, uh, kind of excited about that, nervous, all that, but it's just kind of one of those things that, um,
0: is our next thing? Yeah,
1: that we're working on.
0: Yep, that'd be great. Well, I've got Toby in my blood, so if you ever want me to say no or yeah. tell you something stupid, I'd be glad to. <laughs> yeah, word. I'll, I'll hold you to that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Jesse. Yeah, man, loved it. Bye See guys. Yeah.